Well, hello there. I am Parker W. Starnes, your host today on the Producers Podcast Takeover. That's right. I am taking control over, to, over today's episode because Micah Vosman, the man who usually occupies this chair, is sitting on the opposite side of the interview table to be our guest on this podcast. I am avenging Micah's many guests by putting Micah under his own cool interrogation methods. So this should be interesting. Let's do this. So, I met Micah at the Christian Woodview Film Festival about three, four years ago. Something we, like that. Yeah. We met in a hotel lobby, spent much time talking about films and life. I usually make enemies, so it was strange that we became friends. I was wondering, you know, what is wrong with this guy? Why doesn't he hate me? But, uh, no, we... Uh, Long story short, we worked together on a short film. He is a writer, director, producer, filmmaker extraordinaire, and is the man behind the curtain at Brothers in Christ Productions. I did want to ask you, though, uh, this is a non-filmmaking question. What made you want to start a podcast about producing and filmmaking? Tell me about this adventure. Yeah, so this all came out of 2020, like so many people uh, who started a podcast and so during that time I was deciding to lean more into the producer vein of things but when there's not a lot of projects going on that you can get on to gain experience and unlike DPing where you can just grab a camera and go shoot stuff and put a reel together or watch the latest YouTube videos about the new camera models and lenses, there's not as much out there really for producers to just learn on their own. Mm -hmm. So I had a friend that's like, the best way to do that right now would be to start a podcast. And then you can ask the questions you have about producing while also networking and building relationships with uh, other producers. And at, at first I didn't want to do it like I think I sat on the idea for two to three months after he suggested it and then finally I was like okay I'll give it a try and do one or two seasons and we'll just see is there even any interest out there for something like this because you know I, I looked around and there wasn't anything just on producing uh, when it came to film podcast and then yeah fast forward to now and here we are with season Three, the the show keeps growing and everything, so it's exciting. By the way, congratulations on a season three. Yeah, it, big. It's been a big lot milestone. of work, a lot of learning, but it's exciting. Uh, yeah, most people don't even make it to a season two, so. <laughs> well, big, you know, I didn't. Huge ha congratulations there. I didn't have to convince any you know networks to pick me back up, so that helps. That's a lot. true. That is very true. There's a lot of freedom in that. We, you'll be able to go to, you know, season 35. So <laughs> no one's going to shut you down. Okay. So, uh, so here's the, the big question, Micah. Why on earth would you get into something like producing? I have produced one short, currently producing another, and I hate it. So why on earth would you even get into it? That is a really good question of which... The, the answer is uh, 
nothing, I guess, special, you would put it. So for for several years, I really wanted to pursue more the G&E side of filmmaking. But then at the same time, I was trying to get on, you know, just some different short films and things like that. And a lot of the different roles on a film set just to get that experience and understand better like how they would interact with the G&E department so I had a friend call me up he had written a script and uh, was looking for somebody to help produce it and I had never done just the role of the producer on a project before so I was like sure I'll give it a try you know it's a short film so if I utterly hate it it's not like a super big long-term commitment uh and i never have to do it again and so went into production on that and somehow it ended up being like this probably one of the smoothest run projects i've ever been on from like all the different areas you know camera lighting like which i was not expecting especially being a first-time producer but i think that helped me a lot because it didn't scare me off (laughs) with 50 million things going wrong every day. And then on top of that, I had so many people on that project that were like, you know, you did a really good job compared to other people we've worked with. Like, we think you could really do a good job at this. So that was kind of what initially lit the fire in terms of producing for me. Well, kudos to you. I, I I think you guys are crazy. You guys who love <laughs> producing. I, I think you and I had talked about at one point. You were like, I, I'm. I think you posted on Facebook. Like, I'm I'm putting together a spreadsheet. This is so much fun. And I was like, Are you crazy? Like, what on earth? You know. So, uh, but so tell me about uh, Brothers in Christ Productions. How did this get started, and what was the goal for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Brothers in Christ that was the name I came up with back when I first started making films uh, because for whatever reason when I wanted to do like something that was more actually had a script (laughs) instead of just you know random backyard stuff uh, ended up being like a Christian film instead of some like you know James Bond or action movie Um, and at the time I had my best friend that was helping uh, write it and kind of act in it and stuff. And so we were like, what better name than Brothers in Christ Productions? You know? And so that's kind of how where it all started. And then obviously as time's gone on, you know, my friend's no longer uh, involved with the filmmaking in that, but it's just kind of stuck around uh, as, I wouldn't call it a hobby, but it's kind of almost like a side gig for me. Um, where it's not like my money maker and the goal is more just to, to produce content that uh, uplifts and strengthens the church. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to ask a question that every filmmaker gets asked at some point during their life. Oh, Micah, I, I'm sure you have some. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're a perfect person. Uh, what bad filmmaking skeletons are in your closet? Are there any <laughs> horrible films that you would not want anyone watching? Like, you know, they're just tucked away and you hope you've burned the last copy. And, you know, tell us about one. Yeah. So actually, like 
but the first couple that is what started brothers in christ are probably my main like skeleton films um they they actually are like technically on youtube but they're hidden from the public why would you do that (laughs) why would you put them Uh, on youtube well i I did it okay so we can how can we find these micah uh unfortunately you can't they're hidden so that only people with a link have them and i i I did that so that the people that you know were a part of it if they ever wanted to go back and relive you know our childhood adventures (laughs) they would have that link in an email Mm -hmm. uh to view it um but otherwise beyond those i think the main other one is there's one other short film i did that i think it could have gone somewhere if i would have spent more time developing the story and i just didn't um but i ended up having my sister write an original song for like the credits of the film and it went along with the footage we had so well that I went and like re-edited it into a music video. So the music video is out there for people to see, but the actual short film I've hidden as well because it's just, no, <laughs> not worth it. That is smart. So you just basically took like the best things about that short film and just like put it into basically a music video. Yep. And yeah, that's smart. It's yeah. Really smart. If you, if you go to our Brothers in Christ YouTube channel, it's still you can still find it, and in fact, somehow it is still the number one video <laughs> on there. Like it's consistently getting views every month, and I don't do anything with it. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> understand how You're that like, works. Why this one? Yep, like there's way better quality stuff and stuff I'm promoting on there, but that's what mm-hmm. gets the views. Yeah, yeah, it happens that way. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, no, that's like why we love demo reels so much, right? It's like you can just put all the best stuff into one clip or one video and people don't have to watch the entire movie and see all the mistakes that you made. They just get (laughs) to see the best parts. Yeah. So, um, tell me, is there a, uh, an aspect of producing, um, that very few people know about in terms of producing. You know, people know a lot about what a producer does, especially those of us in the industry. But what is something that, you know, I won't even know what a producer does? Because basically we we view you guys as just, you know, sitting behind a desk, your feet propped up and, you know, saying no to, you know, buying equipment that we need. And But it's a little bit more than that, right? Yeah, no... That's good. I don't know if there's like one solid answer just because it can so much depend on the scale of your project. Uh, you know, like a lot of the the smaller things I've been a part of so far, like writing all the checks to pay people at the end of the week or the end of the shoot falls to me. But, you know, when you get up to those Marvel films or whatever, they're hiring accountants you know mm-hmm. that that is all yes. they do so a lot of it de- does depend on that um i guess probably the main thing especially for a lot of independents and beginners is just all of the paperwork um that that goes along like i just finished reading a book that's all about copyrights and clearances and going over like if you're going you know trying to make a big feature film for theatrical distribution and all this like all the forms you have to have saying you own the rights to the script and the music and like 
all these things you a lot of people just assume are part of having like the copyright to the mm-hmm. actual film but you have to be able to prove mm-hmm. do you do you enjoy the research aspect and just kind of the the mundane things that you have to do as producer you know putting together a spreadsheet and calling people and you know begging people for locations things like that <laughs> um i do and i don't i'm i'm still I think the calling people that just takes a lot of time to Mm -hmm. get used to unless that's your personality. Like I'm way better now than I was a year ago on being able to randomly call somebody up and explain what we're doing, what we need and try and get, um, permission. But yeah, I mean, I enjoy the past couple months. I've really started getting and learning more of like all the different formulas and that that you can plug into spreadsheets so that it's you know adding or subtracting or doing whatever just on its own instead of me having to do it on a calculator or whatever so i do enjoy a lot of that plus you know it something you can be listening to music or a podcast or whatever while you're doing unlike video editing where you have to be focused on what's being said or editing to a music track or whatever Well, uh, speaking of spreadsheets and budgets and all that great stuff, um, as a producer, you do have to oftentimes come up with a budget. So tell me a little bit about that. Tell me, you know, how hard is it when department heads are asking you for more money, you know, for equipment or or they're just, you know, quoting you how much it's going to be um, for, you know, the department to get the job done for the film? how do you portion out, you know, what money goes to what? It's a really hard question, I feel. Uh, and something just, it's always hard to deal with because uh, because of the fact that you could always have more money. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not, it's not like other aspects of film where, you know, there's that cutoff date of when the distributor needs it or you know, when you have to wrap for the day because of labor laws and, and things like that, you could always push the budget higher, uh, if, uh, if the funds are there to allow, um, so for me, like some of it obviously has just come, I've been doing this long enough now that I just kind of have somewhat of an idea of what some things cost, um, you know, I've done a number of short films that of a of different sizes and that. So, like when it comes to budgeting for insurance and that, I have a rough idea based on you know the length of the script, the number of people involved, what what all happens in the film of like mm-hmm. where that insurance quote might be um, falling and that. And then otherwise, it can be you know like a lot of research, like looking up are there firm uh, film permits that you got to get, you know, for a specific city and, you know, what do those cost or mm-hmm. even just talking with department heads as you get them on of like, you know, this is what we're thinking for budget. Like, what are your thoughts having read the script? Uh, all, all kind of feeds in, you know, ultimately it's, it's always that, 
combination of what would be awesome and what's realistic <laughs> because the budget to do something awesome isn't always the most realistic budget either for the scope of your project or because of your experience level you know nobody maybe nobody's going to trust you with a hundred million dollars yet because you haven't even made anything for a hundred thousand you know mm -hmm. um, right and so yeah i don't know if that answers your question i I kind of lost track of where I was going. <laughs> it's, it's all right. It's all, it's all still good stuff. Good stuff. Um, no, speaking of, uh, you know, just like producers duties and everything, it, you, producers are usually heavily involved in putting together a crew. So mm -hmm. talk to me, you know, about that. You know, what are the discussions you and the director have about putting that together? You know, how hard is it to put together, you know, a group of people to go out and make the best film that you possibly can make? Yeah, no, it definitely can be a challenge. Um and it and this is something I'm still learning like on the on the project uh I'm working on right now. It's the first time that I've said we've done like actual Zoom calls between me, the director and like whichever department head prior to them even signing on to the film. A lot of times Prior to prior to this project, it was either just an email with the information, or maybe just me calling them on the phone and talking things through, and then signing them on. But I think a lot of it for the producer one comes down to spending the time first with the director, so that you mm -hmm. can kind of understand one what they're looking for in the project, and also what uh, kind of what their personality is their you know, work style, maybe you could say, uh, would be a way to describe it. Um, because not everybody's going to mesh with everybody because of the way personalities are, or, you know, you're not putting a super experienced gaffer with somebody that is this, it's their first time working G&E, you know, mm -hmm. because that's not always going to work. Uh -oh. out the best it's not <laughs> Yikes. not not always depends <laughs> on the project depends on the person um right. and, and so for me at least i've found a lot of that ultimately goes back to as a producer just networking mm -hmm. like in the past year especially with things being slower at times i've spent a lot of time on the phone or zoom calls with filmmakers that aren't producers just learning more about what they do about them as a person and everything and building my network there so that I have this net that when it comes to building a team, I kind of know who, who works well together, you know, also where they're based at in the country so that I can hopefully bring together more local teams instead of flying the whole crew. Mm -hmm. Which across. can get really expensive. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That is the truth. Um, but yeah, just, networking and knowing the people I think are the, the biggest two things and even like paying attention to what films they've done because you can usually see who they all worked with you know when you watch the credits and then you can you know talk to other people to find out like you know did you these people work well together like would you bring them both back on to be mm -hmm. camera department again or not really and mm -hmm. things like that right correct and how 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 hard is it for you 
to network. I mean, I've seen you kind of walk the crowds, you know, I've seen you kind of <laughs> mingle and it seems very easy for you, but for other people, you know, having to produce and everything, it's, it's hard to just kind of, you know, go up to people and, and start talking and, and sometimes it feels forced, you know, it's, sometimes it feels mm -hmm. like you're only getting to know them because you want them to work on a project. But for you, you know, it's, it's a little bit more personal than that. Yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a good point. I definitely, I guess the way you've seen me network, that's not how I started back in the day. <laughs> you know, I, I remember my first film festival that I went to when I was getting started. Like I was one of those people that would spend maybe five minutes talking with a person with the end goal of being to get their business card and give them mine. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, for we've all done most, that. Yep. <laughs> you know, and that a lot of times be the only time I would see that person at the festival, mm -hmm. you know, and big shock. I never, you know, really got hired or worked <laughs> with any of those people, you know, right. it was always the one or two that I ended up, you know, continuing to bump into because we were in the, we went to the same session or film showing mm -hmm. uh, that ended up uh, bringing the work. And so it's just, it's something obviously over the years I've got better at and I've kind of learned how better how I, what my goals are with networking. Um, I think that's a big thing. If you don't, if you don't know specifically what you're looking to get out of networking, you're not going to do a very good job. Um, at mm -hmm. it uh at the same time though i i do still relate about you know the struggles of especially when it, i'm looking trying to network with somebody that's farther along in my career than me of like how do you go up and start a conversation you know mm -hmm. when it yes yeah. when you're not on on the same level as them you <laughs> know when, when it's peers it's it's super easy or or even mm -hmm even if it's somebody a little bit farther ahead of me, but like we've worked on a project together that, you know, that's, uh, that's still pretty easy. So a lot of times for me, if anything, I try to have, you know, a question or two that I specifically want to ask them mm -hmm. to at least break the ice. And then that way they can usually see from those questions, like kind of where my experience is, you know, how serious am I, and everything and hopefully from there you know then the conversation just keeps going mm -hmm. yeah no it's very difficult for you know all of us any of us to go up to somebody and just start a conversation especially those who are you know on a higher level than us that's why when you know i uh i met you micah like i was starstruck i was like i was looking up at you and i was like what you made more than one film you know, so like already you were like a higher level than I was. And so, um, but you know, I was, I was, um, when I was producing my short film, I called a producer friend of mine on the phone, Matthew Jordan, who produced mm -hmm. counter column. And I, I just, I, I called him and I was like, Matthew Jordan help. You know, it was like, <laughs> I, I just needed advice on producing because I was way over my head, uh, way in over my head. And one of the things he told me was that as a producer, you, you basically have to do everything. He or she must be able to plug in wherever there's a hole, you know, run errands, find locations, Hollywood alight, and most importantly, has to take care of the cast and crew. 
that was the most important thing that kind of stuck out to me. And it's, it's interesting uh, that I bring this up now because recently you put up some quotes uh, from some of your guests and Matthew Jordan, there was, there was that quote of, you know, you, you have to take care of that cast and crew. And so, you know, I, I just kind of found all those things to be such a high responsibility and, and a daunting task. But uh, is, this, is this pretty accurate of what a producer must do? Yeah, I, I would say it's pretty accurate. You know, obviously, the more you get into, like, actual, like, working in Hollywood, you know, union stuff and ev- everything, you're not going to be necessarily Hollywooding a light or, or some of those aspects anymore mm-hmm. because they ha- the unions have uh, laws <laughs> and rules against doing stuff like that. Right. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, it... It very much is, and you usually I've found you can tell uh, the the sets that were well produced are the ones where they're taking care of their cast and crew, you know, and jumping in, and the ones that you know people are frustrated, sleep deprived, whatever. Usually, those are the types of things that are lacking from uh, from the set and the producer. What are some mistakes that you learned from that have made you grow as a producer and just as a filmmaker in general? Mm-hmm. That that's good. Um, I think, and this one to some degree almost is a little bit more of like a director mistake that I made on one of my shorts, but it still can apply to. Um, producer but especially myself and then what i see a lot of beginning filmmakers do is when they start making that jump from doing it all themselves to mm-hmm. we want an actual uh genie team we want you know an art department and all this they they forget to take into account how much more time that adds because mm. you're you're trying to get to that next level of quality and so one of my early shorts when i was first doing that i didn't take that into account and i think we ended up you know the department heads came to me and they were like there's no way we can get all the shots you want like and i think we ended up having to cut about 30 to 40 shots you know from from the film yeah and i had to you know go through and figure out you know which ones to get rid of and then how to make sure if that was specifically capturing one thing uniquely like how are we going to get that right uh somewhere else so definitely just yeah knowing having that sense of how much time it takes which obviously you're always learning and growing <laughs> as you get to bigger sets and things you know can take more time uh, but that was a big one and then I think another one would probably be with um, some of my early earlier stuff not really having any type of like marketing plan, which obviously, mm. you know, even since my first couple of, you know, shorts, the whole digital realm and how you distribute has changed so much that it, you know, it's, it's hard to, to really compare in some ways, but 
you know, the, the sooner you start thinking about a marketing plan and the, and the types of content you're going to, you're going to create and you want to have available leading up to its initial release. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then after the release, because there's a lot of people that go and they have some great content to promote its, you know, premiere on YouTube or its release on Amazon. And then there's like nothing and you're not going to grow your audience that way unless you have a very active audience that's sharing themselves and causing you know the film to get pushed on the platforms Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a very good point because you know most of us filmmakers (laughs) we we oftentimes are just like okay we're gonna get we're gonna make a movie and everyone's going to see it, you know, and it's this, this, this wrong way of thinking that, you know, just because you make a movie, the rest of it will, you know, will come in, in some way or another. So it, explain to us how important, I mean, you just kind of did, but what are some of your, the ways that you approach marketing in terms of, you know, planning ahead and what, uh, you know, maybe talk uh, to us about one of your films that you that you've recently done where, mm-hmm. you know, you, what was your strategy in terms of marketing and, and getting it to in front of as many eyes as possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, it's kind of hard to talk about any specific film of mine because the last two released last year with COVID. And so mm-hmm. yeah, like we just, init- COVID, COVID year doesn't count. COVID they're year doesn't they're like count. a, you know, the initial plans we had for those pretty much got chucked out the window mm-hmm. and yeah. changed around. But then you go back farther, like the ones before that, I learned so much from that one that I had planned to apply <laughs> to, I guess, what you could call the COVID films. Uh, so there's there's a number of things I haven't really, I guess you could say, gotten to test out. Like I mm-hmm. had some cool ideas, but I don't know mm-hmm. if they would have actually have worked um because is of that COVID. is that something that is just part of producing is testing out stuff you know like one marketing strategy may be different you know f- for one film than for another you know uh is it just kind of constantly reinventing the wheel so to speak mm-hmm. yeah i mean a lot of it is i mean just in general as a producer testing things out finding out what works, you know, either just for you. It might be something that only works for you, and, you know, the next producer that tries it, it it doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of it, when you're talking about marketing a film, really comes down to knowing uh, your audience, mm-hmm. uh, which I think, especially on the independent side in general, but especially if you're getting into, like, the independent Christian side, I think is a downfall of a lot i think a lot of those filmmakers just assume i'm making a christian film christians are gonna flock to see it and Hmm. that is not true you really have to know who your audience is you know in terms of not only you know their age or their gender depending on you know what the story in the film is about but even Mm -hmm. you know what are they passionate about Right, right. I th- so this question, I'm really interested in getting your take on this. Uh, there's this ongoing debate about short films, whether to make mm-hmm. them or not. Most agree that you should at least make one, but the debate is usually about 
how many you should make before jumping to a feature and how much you should spend on these shorts because some of these shorts are made on micro budgets. Some of them are like insane amounts that you could almost probably, you know, shoot a, a cheap short uh, feature film, you know, mm -hmm. using that budget that some of these shorts will, you know, how much money they spent. But so especially, especially since we all know there isn't really a market for short films, they rarely make a profit. Uh, you're lucky if you break even. Just, mm -hmm. you know, what are your thoughts on, on short films in general, like as a producer? Yeah, that's, that's a good question because so far, like, every, most of what I've done has been short films. And, like, honestly, myself, right now, I'm not really interested in producing any features. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think some of it in the value of doing short films depends on what you're wanting to do like the way your film career is going. Um, you know, a part of me is like, I would agree, I think at least one short film is helpful to do, but I would caveat that by saying, when I say short film, I'm talking about one where like, you're either just the producer or the director or both, and you have, you know, at a can't a dp you have mm -hmm. somebody doing art you have somebody doing lighting so that right it's right it's not just you yeah doing you want film. it you want it structured more like a normal film set mm -hmm. and hopefully with people that have some of that training and experience um beyond that i think it really depends on what where you're wanting to go you know i i know some people that have made short films that are more like the 25 minute length and they're now using them to pitch you know a tv series or mm -hmm. you know something like that and they're treating it more as a pilot mm -hmm. uh, for something down the road um you know again i personally i've i've seen a number of you know ministry organizations in that make really high quality short films that they're specifically using you know either with a specific curriculum or conference so i definitely think i think short films can be helpful and i think there is a place for them unfortunately i think most people want to treat them the exact same as a feature film and expect the exact same return and results and mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the problem comes in mm -hmm. yeah yeah, for sure. Another hot topic is, um, <laughs> I don't know if you've you've come across this, Micah. Um, I certainly have. But a hot topic is when or how often one should lean heavily on a volunteer cast and crew. Most agree that for your first project, it is mostly acceptable to ask for people to work for free. You know, and, and there's, right, sometimes there's benefits. It's, it's almost kind of a currency in a way. It's that, you know, you can come work on my film and you get a credit, you know, you, you are able to, you know, uh, shine in whatever department you're doing. Uh, but that it's, it's, it's a fine line between needing help and taking advantage of your fellow filmmakers, especially in an industry that often pays very little. So, you know, where do you stand on this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a good debate. Um, 
and an important one to have because I've definitely been on both sides of it where I'm working on projects and wishing either I was getting paid or getting hmm. paid more. And then at the same time on the other end where it's like I'm trying to keep this a reasonable budget and how do you do, you know, we can't really pay people more or anything and keep the budget you know where we can either get it funded or whatever um mm -hmm. so for me a lot of it will come down to one the experience of the crew and that i'm like reaching out to and then also what the what the story of the film calls for uh there there are definitely times where you know if it's your everyday you know drama that's set in you know maybe one or two locations and it's like a house and you know on a street or something like that you know it's probably going to be easier for you to achieve that with maybe people that don't have quite as much experience and mm -hmm. they're willing to either work at a reduced rate or for volunteer um to get that experience and make those connections but if it's you know this big you know sci-fi genre project where there's all this <laughs> all these props you got to create and, and all uh, that that's probably not the right project to to be doing for free now you never know you might get those those people that are just like you know crazy excited about it or they haven't gotten to work in that genre before mm -hmm. and they're willing to to volunteer um again too sure. i would also say some of it comes back to the networking and the relationships mm -hmm. and knowing you know who having a better feeling for like who it might be okay to ask to work at a reduced rate or for volunteer because i know some people that would out like they're not going to just say no to the project if I send them an email. They're going to, you know, read the script and want to find out more before they make a decision. And I know other people that if you're not paying them their full rate, they're just not working mm -hmm. with you, which I've been in both positions, so I totally get that too. You know, mm -hmm. you got to pay the bills. Right. Um, right. But yeah, that's it. I don't think there's one exact answer to it other than you know, knowing what you're trying to accomplish with your film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. So let's, let's get back a little bit more into you, Micah, some, uh, some personal <laughs> questions. Uh, are you, are you choosy about what projects you want to work on? Does one project excite you more than maybe another one? And if so, which, which ones, you know, which ones are you more drawn to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I would say I'm somewhat choosy in two senses. Um, one, I've done enough projects that there are certain people that I just really like working with. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of with to the point where with some of them, if they reach out for anything, like as long as I'm not booked on another project, I'm most likely going to work on it just because I will, I love working with them and usually the people they bring on besides myself are great. Uh, you know, it's just a really great experience and cool projects. Uh, so that's one way I'm kind of picky. And then 
I do at I do to a degree get into you know I like reading the script especially as a producer um and you know and seeing kind of how this you know how the script resonates with me that's a big one mm-hmm. uh because as a producer like you have to be invested in the story because if not you're gonna hate producing that project mm-hmm. um and then for me too at times i'm also looking at uh you know how is how is this maybe going to be helpful in my career you know so right now i'm working on a project that's in a genre i've never done before mm. and so while it maybe what genre is it uh medieval fantasy ah so sweet yeah so like it's you know, to some degree, I wasn't. It's like at the time, I wasn't necessarily looking for a new project of, of the size sure. and scope sure. to do. But I really liked the script, and then on top of it, the aspect of it giving me uh, something new that will stand out when I'm sharing about it on social media. If I put you know stuff on my website about it, mm-hmm. and just getting that experience uh, was right. really valuable. Right. Um, so this is something that I've had a hard time with, and I was wondering if you, you had kind of the same trouble as I do, you know, entrusting a project into the hands of someone else, you know, as a producer, you're not the director. Sometimes you are, but in many instances, you're just producing. There's someone else in charge in terms of directing and getting this project, you know, directing the actors and the action. How hard is it to just kind of step back and watch as someone else carries out your vision? And, you know, and even if like as you're watching, it doesn't end up looking anything like what you had imagined. What, you know, how hard is it to just completely trust someone else to, you know, for your project? I think it kind of varies as a producer. If you've, to me at least, if you've done your job and your diligence when you're, working on casting the film when you're working on crewing the film then you should be able to step back because you have complete trust in the director and his vision and that the people around him will be able to bring that vision to life Mm -hmm. um and if you don't you know then to me that either you know that would either tell me that you either didn't do a good enough job in your casting or crewing process and that's why you don't you're you're kind of worried because you don't trust them because of something or that it might be more of a um my i get you could say like micromanaging type thing with you Mm. um which Mm -hmm. i've known some producers that you know do you struggle with that that's that's part of their personality and you have mm-hmm. to work with that you know to again be able to trust your team to do their job um and not be hovering over their shoulder the right. entire time you know right honestly for me i like it you know it's like <laughs> i like i like putting that team together to where it's i can literally you know step back and just watch everything happen you know and and watch the scene come to life on the monitor or talk to you know g and e while they're filming because there's nothing you know lighting that mm-hmm. needs to be tweaked or fixed while they're right. rolling right 
it's it's very freeing right as just mm-hmm. to be able to just let that go i i i have to ask like what is your secret how do you stay sane as a producer during all those times that you know problems arise during production like what what's the secret that's a good question uh is it fruit snacks <laughs> uh i'll i'll give you two answers a funny one and then a more serious <laughs> one so i would say the, the 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 funny one is i don't drink coffee so you know i'm not dealing Ooh, with that shots caffe- fired shots that, fired uh, to all those caffeinated people out there you, i don't you, have all you that just lost like half your audience probably <laughs> maybe 75 percent of it i you know i i don't have that caffeine or all of that stuff running through me uh so that's my that's my funny answer i always pick on filmmakers about um i think for for me personally i've just had in my life one a lot of things i've done have kind of trained me in a way to be able to deal with high stress situ- situations or adrenaline and all that better and manage it and focus so that helps me stay sane um and then kind of like kind of in tandem with that there's just been a number of times you know where crazy things have happened in my life that are completely beyond my control Mm -hmm. and i just have to uh figure out a way to make it work you know and deal with it and not let it distract me too much from getting everything else done Mm -hmm. and so i think those those couple of things together have really led to me being in some ways a little unique in that perspective i i would definitely type you as a a unique person <laughs> you're, you're definitely that type um no so i don't want to go too in depth about this because um it, it's been talked about before but i i do want you to touch briefly on financing i I know you've talked to other producers about this on your podcast, and I would encourage listeners to go and look for those episodes. I believe you talked extensively on this topic to the great Micah Gerber, good friend yep. of us both and an all-around great dude. But tell us your perspective on financing. I would say like, part of it is just being able to not get discouraged. Like, Funding is, I find, like the longest and usually hardest part mm-hmm. of any filmmaking uh, venture. And, you know, just like any other part of filmmaking, you're going to usually run into 10 people that say no before you get that one that says yes. And so remembering that um, and that it's not, you know, always going to be that first person even if you've done the research you know uh or you have that relationship with that person they just might be like no this you know this isn't a right project for us and so keeping that in mind is always uh important so that you don't get uh discouraged um Mm -hmm. and you know beyond that i mean a lot of it i keep i keep saying it but it you know, what, whether it's film or any other business, it's really, I think, the biggest thing, which is networking and relationships. 
is what it, you know, comes back to. If you're that person that, you know, locks themselves in their house or apartment 24 seven, you're not going to have that network to successfully, you know, find funding or financing because no, nobody really knows who you actually are. Mm -hmm. Um, and the majority of the places that I've ended up getting funding from, you know, are either people or groups that know me personally, or there's some connection here, whether it's somebody that I know introduced me to them, um, or something like that. Uh, and, and so none of that would happen if I'm not out there, you know, whether it's in, with a business networking group, whether it's at, you know, my church, the karate club I'm a part of, you know, all these different circles that, um, that I get to meet and, and talk to different people, especially people outside of film, because I think that's a big part of it is so many people, like the majority of the the people they hang out with are, you know, film people, Mm -hmm. but generally they're not going to have the money to donate to your (laughs) film because they're raising it for their own film. Right. Um, Right. It's the people outside of film that uh, are are more who you want to net, network with because they're they have more open doors and and a different audience that you can reach. Right. It's all about the relationships. Go figure. Yes. Yeah. Would you ever uh, consider co-producing? And maybe you already have, but co-producing with uh, someone and what. For some of us, like how, what does that usually look like when you're co-producing with someone? Like how, how do you divvy up the, you know, the workload? Mm-hmm. So I've never co-produced a project where I'm just a producer on it. So I don't really have much I can speak to on, in that regards. I've co-produced before on projects that I've been also directing um and that was so that during the actual production i wouldn't have to worry about any of the producer aspects i had that other producer that can make the phone calls write the checks you know troubleshoot any problems that come up um but then also to have somebody uh that has to okay the bigger producer decisions besides myself since i'm also dealing with the emotions a director feels um because if yeah i i've seen the projects where the director is the sole producer and those can sometimes be rough productions because the decisions are being made based on more what the director wants and not with the mindset uh from the producer's point of view or vice versa and it then it just you know goes downhill from there (laughs) micah is was there anyone who had kind of been somewhat of a mentor to you as a filmmaker someone who you know greatly influenced you in this field of um producing or even just filmmaking in general the easy answer for that would be uh to say it was motion university um that I would, even though that's obviously not a person, but a group, mm-hmm. uh, that mentored me. Like I still work a lot with 
the the teachers and the staff on that a lot of the people i brought on to projects i uh are also alumni of the course um so that's that would be like the biggest group i guess i would say that's kind of like taught or mentored Mm -hmm. um me at this point Mm mm-hmm and Motion University, which is run by the Bartlets, again, Andrew and Hannah, and uh, John Clay Burnett. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Great, great bunch of people right there. And final question, Micah, before we let you go. What is the one piece of, of advice that you would give to another producer or filmmaker out there that you think is very important, you know, knowing this? but is not taught enough. I guess what I'd say, and I've, I've kind of touched on it here and there throughout the talk. Um, I'll say it, I get this is, a di- I guess, a different way of saying it that I've, I've kind of thought over for a while. Um, but being, to be a good producer, uh, you really first have to learn how to be a good steward um both in the sense of you know how you're taking care of your cast your crew you know dealing with the money for a project and the different you know assets props things like that but also uh when you get into more the the spiritual sense of of being a good steward of the overall project um that you realize god has given to you and you know, that really changes how you view the whole thing and different decisions you're going to make through the process when you look through that lens. Good stuff. All right. Well, Micah, thank you so much for all this uh, wonderful insight. And uh, we really appreciate your time today. And, uh, you know, uh, good luck going forward, uh, especially on this podcast again amazing job getting to season three and uh so thanks for uh, being a guest being willing to you know answer my interrogating questions so um we appreciate your time and uh look forward to the uh next episode